Last time on The Beholder's Eye. Boys, I'd like to, you to meet one of my oldest friends. This is Horace, and you two are going to help him out. Horace here is going to let you in on what is going on. His, his brother is missing. He needs your help getting him back. My brother makes things, and he's good at it. Okay. And he was kidnapped by some religious nutheads. Look, we're, 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 here, we're here to deal with the damn cultists who put a hole in your house. Well, thank you for that. So go kill them all for me. You're going to do that, right? You're just going to go out there and kill them all? We're probably not going to kill them all, but we're probably going to get rid of them somehow. So, As you're coming up, the orc is thinking about ham, just every possible way that ham can be prepared. But the elf, on the other hand, is completely focused on the three of you. But yeah, the, the half-orc is, just, is all ham all the time. I was thinking Boris might also be fractionally thinking of ham <laughs> right now. Welcome, brave traveler, to Salandrian, a city steeped in murder, mystery, and madness. Stagnation and complacency have run rampant, and something monstrous churns behind the dark. A group of private investigators are the only thing that stands in the way of injustice and despair. Let us join them now for another exciting episode of The Beholder's Eye! One, two, one, two, three, four. never get old you approach these two guards and the half orc is definitely not paying attention to you but horace you know that this this elf is definitely eyeing you up and wondering what your business is and as the two of you approach he says hail friends what can i what what can we help you with my guy hands on on his hips uh, looks to the elf then turns his head to the to the orc and says and then, and then turns back to the elf and says, "Yes, my 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 name is Martin Martin McGinnis, and um, we've been sent by a different sect of the. Why isn't he doing his job? He's not paying attention at all. What? Um, hold on, Martin. What do you? Um, and he he looks to the the symbol on your chest and he says, "Oh, um, it's Brother Martin. Thank you. He he's he's." What do you mean he's not doing his job? He's standing there, isn't he? He's he's guarding, and he kind of all he's he do- all him. he's doing is thinking about he, ham or something. Ham? What are you talking about, ham? And he nudges him, and he says, "Orak, Orak," and Orak kind of steps, snaps out of his. Oh, sorry. Mm. And he licks his lips, and he says, "What's going on? Oh, who are these men?" And he I'm just kind of stares Martin. at the TU and he's, "Hello, brother Martin. How can we help you today? Do you happen to have any you ham?" Come from a- I mean... That's about what I thought. Are you here for the inspection? Yes, I am. And the elf kind of looks at him with this exasperated look on his face and turns to you and he says, well, he, he does his job when he's supposed to, I guess. Um, yes, we, we heard that there was an inspection coming. Are you... Yes, uh, I'm... Do you have the papers? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I was told that, uh, just bringing along my badge of, uh, uh, of identification would be fine, and my guy holds up the lapel of his shirt to show the, to show the badge. Well, uh, could I, could I make some papers with minor illusion? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boris actually also has a scholar's pack, so he's gonna bring out, yeah, he's gonna quickly pick the parchment out from the scholar's pack, yeah. and then on it, he just, minor illuse. <laughs> minor illuse. Minor illuse. <laughs> minor illuse. <laughs> <laughs> some, some, uh. Yeah, some, I guess we'll put the eye with the stars on it, and uh, thou shall pass on it. <laughs> <laughs> thou shall pass. So, Boris, you pr- produce this this paperwork, 
Do you say anything about it, or do you just like hand it right over? Um, I just go, oh, here, here it is. Yeah, after I cast Minor Illusion. Side question for Don, really quick. I'm not aware of anything so going yeah, on right. outside your scepter, right? Nope. You have no idea. You're currently being dragged away by two burly men in, in blue outfits. And at this point, you're in a you're in a bright room sitting at a desk with the two burly men standing across from you. There's a mirror behind you and a door that's locked, and they're interrogating you. Okay, I'm sitting there glaring at them, not saying anything. Maybe some acid spittle dripping <laughs> from my mouth onto this table. <laughs> Just drooling onto the table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daring them with my eyes. So this elf, he takes these papers that you produce, and he takes a look at him, and he says, Oh, what? yep, well, these all seem to be in order. And he hands them back to you, and he says, All right, boys, go ahead and come on inside. And they open up the gate for you. And they say, you, you can go up to the main house, and as the gate opens up, you can see that you are at basically the southern tip of this community. The road from the southern gate goes directly up to the largest of buildings in this compound. The street that goes up to it is lined with buildings that are almost completely identical to each other. They're all built the same way, but each of them has a little bit of a different flourish. The flourish being a banner with that same eye symbol on it, but just a different color, all pastel tones all the way and this large building that you see in front of you the banners that hang from it it is a three-story building it is about a hundred feet wide and the banners hanging from this building are all a dark crimson red do i recognize the symbol that that, that is all around this place make me a history check no natural one no, I, don't, I don't recognize shit you try to to think about these symbols and your mind starts to think about ham a bit you start to get distracted by by thoughts of like ham sandwiches it's understandable as as ham sandwiches appear in my head my goes ugh god damn i hate ham boris has 25 history boris you not only do you recognize the eye from from the church of the open eye but you right. start to re remember some some things that you were once reading in some texts about magic that was forbidden and it was forbidden not because it was dangerous magic to use but because it tapped you into the old ancient unspoken gods basically there was a belief that these gods were the ones who wanted to rip reality asunder and by tapping into their strength you let them their influence into the world great so that's positive so yeah <laughs> so as the two of you make your way up to this main building people start to come out of these houses on or these buildings on either side of the street the main thoroughfare. As we're walking up, my guy turns to, uh, or doesn't turn to him, but my guy uses a message and just says, walk with confidence. Don't make eye contact with anyone. Fair enough. And as as you're walking, these, these people that are coming out, they're just staring at you. Don, as they see this symbol on Horace's chest, they all start to salute, and they give a three-finger salute to their right temple with their hands facing towards you. And as you're walking up, they, they have a a look of reverence towards you. As you get to the main building at the top of this small hill, you see that there are two dwarven men. They're completely shaven bald, standing to either side of the main entrance of this building. And as the two of you approach, they see you, Horus, and your symbol on your chest, and they both immediately drop to their knee and say, Hail, Inquisitor! Come, we've been told that you are here for the inspection. Please, come inside. Our leader will form you of this camp's progress. Perfect. Thank you. Please, please lead the way. So they open up these doors. Uh, it's a set of almost 10 foot tall double doors. They lead you into this main entryway. And entering in, it's a very simple room. There's not really much decoration on the wall, but you see that the decoration that is on the wall are these tapestries depicting different scenes of what can best be described as simple chaos. There's, looking at them, there's no real focal point to any of these pieces of art. It's just almost random shapes. But as you're looking at it, different things stand out. A man being strangled or a woman being hung. or But even as you start to 
these images start to take shape, you can see how they their part the parts that make these images up also make up other images and some of them are making it hard for you to concentrate on anything else. I need both of you to make wisdom saves. <clears throat> I was going to say, could I cast magic eye? <laughs> 16 for me. 18 for me. You're both able to push this odd, creeping feeling at the back of your brains away, and you're able to rip your, your attention away from these tapestries to see that there's a man sitting in a chair at the far end of the room. In front of him, there sits a simple desk with a single lamp sitting on it and some paper. You can see that this is a human man, and he has a very simple chin strap beard, but that's it. No eyebrows. The rest of his head is shaven. His, it even appears as though his arms are shaved. As the two of you approach, he looks at you, Horace, directly, and he says, Inquisitor! It is good to have you under our roof. Yes. We uh, we were not informed that a gnome had uh, joined our ranks, but we're glad to have you. I'm sure the secrets that you've given to the master are going to be very helpful in the invasion. We were told that you were here to inspect our progress in bringing forth the children. Of course. Um, I would like to see as much progress as you have made. I would also like to have a word with you later. Um... Perhaps we could step into my office in a bit, uh, so I could have a word. But, um... <clears throat> your your anyway, office? Uh, I do not understand. What do you mean? You brought your office with you? Of course. What kind of inquisitor would I be if I didn't bring my office and all of my information with me? I would love to see this. Well, of course. Just take my hand for a moment. Well, first, I mean, don't you want to see the progress we're making on the children? That is a good point, yes. Perhaps that is best first. Afterwards, we can have some words, share a cocktail or two. Um, let, it, let us, um, why don't you lead the way? I would like to see it, um... Inquisitor, I've noticed that your, your companion here, he is unshaven. Yes, he is less of a, less of a member and more of a brainwashed slave. Oh, I see. Fantastic. Fantastic. So we can be open in our speaking in front of him. Of course, he will not understand a word that is said. However, he will record it. Perfect! Perfect! As you know, the invasion is scheduled... Well, it was scheduled to happen about a week ago. And we've had issues on multiple fronts. By issues, you mean failures. What, 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 what has happened? It's no failures of our own. We've performed the rituals the way that we were taught. And they worked so well in our homeland to build our numbers. But here, there's... There's something strange about the land here. It, it it fights back against our ritual. We've been making good progress here, but we've heard that the other camps, they've, they've not had much progress in bringing forth the larger entity, the ones that can really turn the tide for us. That seems like a bit of a uh, problem. Uh, what have you been able to bring forth thus far? Oh, we've had great success with bringing forth the children. The children of Lang, they aid us in many great ways. Would you like to go see them? I would very much love to. Please lead the way. Can Boris make another history check? Yes. I'm also going to do the same. Uh, that's 18. And a 20 on my guy's part. Both of you would know that the children of Lang are associated with the old god Shub Niggurath, and they tend to work as minions, as cannon fodder for his his dark dealings. And Shub Niggurath is... Shubnigarath is one of the old gods. Okay. As as far as lore goes, you would know that there's a main belief that in the beginning of time when everything was created, there was a full pantheon of gods, but at the same time there was a balancing force to that that was the old gods, and they were what came before the start of the universe, and they ate pretty much all of the regular gods and went into hibernation and left the rest of reality to spin out on its own, promising to return and devour the entire universe someday, basically. <laughs> Lovely. That sounds fantastic. Most people think that it's fairy tales. But we're here, and this is obviously not a fairy tale, and my guy finds it fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so this man leads you through this building you pass through a couple of rooms rooms where you see odd experiments being performed my guy's making note most of them with 
gnomish technology. Things that these people should not have. Horace, you would know specifically, these people should not have. This stuff just looks like you've never seen anything like this before, Boris. My guy, my guy, my guy assu- assumes, assumedly knows right where that comes from, huh? Oh yeah, you would know that this is very advanced gnomish technology, and you would know that it's it's from specifically from your brother's research into extra dimensional spaces and trying to break through to other dimensional planes. Does it look like any of this technology would would be good used as a means to destroy this place, like as an explosion when, on the way out? You might not know how to do that, but your brother definitely could. And yes, you would know that he he most likely could rig something up with this to basically implode a certain area of space. My guy, my guy makes note that knowing him, he probably added a self-destruct f- function to it at some point. Yeah, you would know just from general gnomish technology that and, and the, the research into extra dimensional spaces that if you take an extra dimensional space and put it in another extra dimensional space bad bad things happen my guy my guy makes a note of his staff and thinks he'd better not is there literally a sign on the door that says watch this space yeah yeah uh there's a uh there's a white placard sign on the wall that says don't cross the streams aperture science gandalf side note uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, side note. <laughs> side note. Swifty, Swifty, as you're standing there being interrogated by the guards in blue, suddenly they are now clean shaven. My glare turns to a look of like, what the fuck just happened? Con- confusion. No matter how you bring it up with them, they act as though nothing has, nothing's wrong, nothing happened. Oh no, I haven't said anything yet. I'm still, I'm still silent. Boris is going to cast invisibility on himself. As you're walking along and this the leader of this community is is taking you deeper into this building he's actually starting to lead you down several staircases that go deeper and deeper into the ground and boris just disappears from sight at the back of the my uh, guy my guy my guy literally pays it no mind it just just tries to ignore it and the leader of he is he's not paying attention either he's he's just set on taking you guys to where you need to go you get to what both of you could estimate is about three stories deep underground and you come into a large stone cavern there are stalactites and stalagmites all over this cavern but it looks like they've carved out a area that is about a hundred feet square in the middle of this cavern and there are all these pens set up with thick iron bars and you can both see from the lighting in this cavern that there are strange creatures in all of these pens moving slowly around and as the three of you enter all of them stop i guess what you could say would pass for their heads turns towards you and the two of you can see that all of these creatures look almost completely identical they just have different markings on them their heads are just a mass of tentacles writhing and constantly moving but as the two of you enter and they all turn towards you all of their tentacles point towards you for a second and then spread out and you can see in the center of these one pupilless eye my guy does not look in that eye as the two of you and this leader enter this cavern he turns around and he says i think we've lost your slave my guy my guy turns and goes oh dreads sorry the spell must have worn off oh well i will make another one later that's fine our guards will deal with him don't worry he won't make it out of the compound anyways of course it's very it's very unlikely that he'll even make it a few steps he probably disintegrated perfect oh you inquisitors are so well prepared so these are the children of lang and he puts his hand out and gestures towards all of the the cages i'm gonna take a quick bio break maybe do a little bit more side stuff in the rod of security the gu- the guards are standing above you and they they are they are now completely clean shaven and they've been questioning you for about uh about five minutes they, they mostly questions about how you got here where is horace who are you of which you have not answered a single question i assume correct i i look up at them and i say horace hit me in the head with a fucking staff and here i am that's what happened that sounds like him Ah, that sounds like him. Don't, 
don't don't worry about it. Um, <clears throat> so you're not here to steal any information. I mean, if you got it lying around, I take it. Okay. You got it lying around? Well, no, it's all it's all locked up. Don't 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 worry about it. You should you should. Then no worries, man. Why don't you and Gary here have a bit of a stroll downstairs, even further downstairs, where there's the spa, and you can go ahead and get a good, nice massage from Carol down there. Maybe wait a bit, go into the sauna or into the hot tub. Who knows? Do you like booze? No, I, I, I don't drink, except the blood of my enemies. Well, we do, we do have, we do have a brand of wine called Blood of Our Enemies. So, do you prefer that? I will try that. Okay, so <laughs> as Swifty's having himself a nice little time. <laughs> Is it a white wine? <laughs> it's a little white wine. It's the blood of my enemies. It's a nice, uh, dry white wine. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good Pinot Grigio. We're we're gonna cut back to the cave there. Sleater returns to you, Horace, and he says, "As you know from our battle plan." We will be invading soon, and we are going to use the children of Lang and the various other miracles <laughs> that we're bringing forth into this world. We're going to use them to subjugate this country and take it over for Shubnigarath, and we will finally be able to unite this world and bring him back into our reality. As you know, that it's just this reality is stagnating, and we need to bring the end. Indeed. <laughs> my guy, my guy, Perfect. my guy looks looks the uh, looks the uh, creatures up and down, avoiding the eye, and he says, "Hmm, these seem a little imperfect. Have, have you have you have uh, inspected the soil?" Of course, we've taken every precaution. I can, I can tell that you're not as as pleased as I would hope you you were going to be with the children. So, there is one other thing that. You you may or may not like. We we actually have one of your kind. We have one of one of the gnomes that we're keeping here. He uh he's making the most wondrous machines for us and My guy my guy gasps and he says, You machines you say. Yes, yes, we've we captured him. You fool. You foolish fool. Why would you why would you bring technology into this place? It disple it displeases our master. No, we are using the technology. We we think that we can use the technology along with the old magic to rip open the fabric of the universe and let Shubnigarath through before the invasion to please the master. Speeding up the process like that will only bring forth a a weakened or inferior version of Shub, uh, Shubnigarath. This this is only going to displease the master. No, we will crack the universe wide open with a door big enough to let the glory of Shubnigarath through. Please, if you will just come and, and, and meet with him, I'm sure I'm sure you would know more of what he talks about than we do, even. Please, please, come see him. Yes, perhaps perhaps, perhaps using my native language will. Um, do you have anyone here that speaks Gnomish, or have you been speaking to him in common the whole time? Oh, common, no one here knows Gnomish. Well, that is fine to note. Perhaps I'll find some extra information out of him through our native tongue. Please take me to this man. Perfect. And he uh, he leads you through a chamber that connects. Er, he leads you through a hallway that connects to this chamber, and you walk down a very simple stone hallway for about forty feet before you get to a very rudimentary brig. And at the back of this brig, there's a very nice wooden door it's got a very large padlock on it it's a very nice wooden door it looks a lot better than the simple iron doors for the other four prison cells in this room he goes over picks a key off of the wall and unlocks the uh the nice doors padlock opens the door as it swings open you can see that this at one point was just a normal prison cell, but they have actually mined out a larger area for what is going on in this room. You can see your brother on a scaffolding at the back of this room. This room is about 40 feet deep and about 60 feet tall. It is split up into three layers, and on each of the layers, there, there are tiers set up like a stairway going up, the tallest of which is 
you know, at the 40, the, the furthest reaches from you. You can see that your brother, Gerald, is standing on the topmost stair, and he is working at a workbench, welding something. So he's got a, a helmet down, and there are sparks flying out from around him, and he can't. There's a loud noise coming from the welding machine as the three of you enter. Boris, still invisible, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm following, just following close. behind him, trying to be quiet. Boris, why don't you make me a stealth check? With advantage, because you're invisible, I think. Well, that's 18. 18 is good enough. The three of you enter into this room, and the man leading you yells out to Gerald and says, Gnome! Gnome! We have someone here to talk to you. And the no- and Gerald stops for a moment and turns around and looks back. Immediately I say in Gnomish, Do not state my name. You just play along. He looks a bit confused for a second and says, Hold on, let me come down there. Give me just a minute to finish up what I'm doing here. And he turns back and puts his helmet down and welds for about another 30 seconds. Sets his tool down, takes his helmet off, and makes his way down the series of ladders and smaller staircases to where you're standing and says, What can I do for you, sir? And winks at you really, like, obviously. (laughs) My guy, my guy, my guy eyes his face and kind of puts his his thumb and, and uh, index finger on his chin and kind of pulls his face close and inspects him. And he says, "My, this man looks very similar to me. I would say this man is fairly nice looking, wouldn't you say?" And my guy uh, smiles over at the uh, at the leader. The leader turns back to you and he says, "I guess so. All all gnomes kind of look the same to me. I'm going to leave you here um, to." Get any information you can from him. I need to go see if anyone has found your slave or uh, if anything else is going on. I do have to run an entire community here. If you'll excuse me. Of course. Here, leave leave the key with me. I'll lock the door behind you so he doesn't try to run. Oh, of course. And he, he hands you the key and walks out of the door. He closes the door behind him afterwards, but you can tell that obviously he doesn't lock you in there. I, I, I lock it with the key and then I, then I, then I turn to my brother and in, in Gnomish I say... I say, could you be m- less conspicuous, please? I'm back to you, Noma. She says, "You're never any fun." Uh, it's not fun. It's just you—you are—you're—you're you're so easy to read. Oh my god! I'm assuming you've come to get me. Yes, and possibly destroy this whole fucking place. Oh, that's a good idea. These people are fucking assholes. <laughs> They're fucking lunatics. Are you serious? Yeah, oh my god. Um, so we're gonna need to get the fuck out of here as soon as as we earthly possibly can. Of course, by the way, Boris, can you please stop being invisible? My guy says that in in, uh, in common. Okay, Boris, stop, stops being invisible. It's fine. And he casts a- he wants to set an alarm on the door, actually. Ooh, the perfect. So okay. he's gonna set an alarm, and it's, uh... We'll make an actual, well, just be a mental alarm, and I guess for everyone else. I'm, I'm, I guess you'd have to forward it to the staff. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm, gonna, as, I'm gonna have it say, "Danger, danger, Will Robinson." So, <laughs> that's what the alarm's gonna say. As you materialize, Boris, Gerald looks at you and says, "Oh, you've brought a dwarf. Have fun, dwarf. Do you know? Do you know gnomish?" No, I don't actually know gnomish. This seems to keep coming up, though. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to try to learn this language. Gerald turns back to you, Horace, and in Nomish says, You brought me a stupid one, didn't you? Uh, Aldalar gave me two stupid ones. Please don't remind me. Two? I don't see another one. He's inside my staff. My guy holds up the staff. Let him out. We're gonna need his help. Hopefully he's got more muscles than this dwarf. And back in common, he says, What do you do, sir? Boris is considering whether or not he should turn this new gnome into a frog. <laughs> you do have that scroll. <laughs> Would simplify the escape. But yeah, he doesn't. What do I do? Um, so far, uh, not that much, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> That's the way it seems. Yeah. He's a wizard of some kind. I, I'm not... Oh. I don't usually... You're a magic guy. I am actually a trainee wizard. I, I haven't really fully graduated to a full wizard level yet. Do you have a specialty? Um, doorways, electricity, poison. What do you do? I would say hiding is probably my strongest suit. 
My guy, my guy, my guy gives a heavy sigh, and he, and he le- leans leans over to to his brother, and he says in gnomish, "The guy is kind of a dunderhead, and I and is about the same proficiency in magic as I am, which you know isn't that proficient." I'm a laugh when Boris just fireballs the shit out of something. <laughs> Geralt turns to or Geralt says, "Okay, well, go ahead and get your other friend out here, and what we're gonna do, we're gonna fuck this town." Right? We're gonna go upstairs. Did you see the experiment rooms? Did you see where they're having me crack through dimensional barriers? Yes, knowing you, you put self-destructs on those, right? Oh, no, what we gotta do? Here's what we're gonna do. And he says, hold on. And he goes running up, and he gets up to the second tier and starts shuffling through a bunch of drawers. And he says, ah, here it is! And he comes running down to you, and he holds out a small, spherical-shaped metal object. (laughs) The best way to describe it is as a puzzle ball that is constantly shifting through the puzzle. When you're holding it, it stops if you try to move it, but as soon as you stop trying to move it, it starts shifting around under your fingertips. So like a 40 object? Yes. Okay. My, my, guy, my guy looks at it, and then he smiles at Gerald, and he says, so I'm not technologically savvy and you know it. Please explain what this is. This is... I call it a reality grenade. It's a lot of fun. What you do, you take it, you hold it. You see where when it's you hold it, it stops. You turn it three clicks to the right, two clicks to the left, pull it up, pull it oh and he stops and he's like, wait a minute. Back two clicks, back three clicks, put it back together. Okay. My guy my guy covers his eyes with his hand and he goes, Oh my god. You saw what I just did, okay? Do that again, but when you push it back together, you have about two minutes before it creates a wormhole of sorts to a a dimension that is just fire. I think it might be the middle of a star, but the first time I, I launched one of these off, I almost burned off my eyebrows. It was very dangerous. That's perfect. I love it. Will this be able to consume the whole compound, or is it just a small space? Actually, I I have a theory that if if you take it to one of those experimental rooms and you you start up the machine and get it to open up one of the portals. See, what they've been having me do is try to open up a portal to the other side of the world so they can bring a lot of their friends through. A lot more assholes like that that human you met. But what you got to do is turn those machines on and as soon as the portal starts to propagate itself, Light this bad boy up and throw it right in there and run like a motherfucker, okay? Perfect. I know exactly what to do with this. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm coming with you, but I I want you to throw me in the office because I don't want to die. <laughs> and I don't think that the explosion that this will cause will destroy most magical, purely magical items like your your office. So what you're saying is... We can go ahead and fuck with them, and then get inside the office, and then we'll be fine. Perfect. <laughs> Great. Boris. Uh, Boris is trying to take all this. I mean, were you just being, you talking all that in common? Be polite to Boris there? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Boris, I think what we're going to need you to do is, once we start fucking with this machine, people are going to come. Right. How about this? How about this? I got an idea. <clears throat> and my guy pulls out pulls out a rag and he says, I'm gonna put this over your mouth for a minute. <laughs> Are you about to fucking <laughs> Chloroform Boris? <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm I'm, ta- I'm talking to I'm talking to Gerald. And I'm gonna say, I'm gonna put this over your mouth for a minute, and you're gonna get ga- it's I'm gonna use it as a gag so you don't say anything stupid, but I'm gonna um, I'm gonna convince them to gather everyone up in an assembly while they open a portal that supposedly brings their god here with this device. And my guy holds it up. And then they're all gonna die at once. Okay? Is that good? Yes. I think so. I mean, okay, number one, please don't put that on me. Number two, let me get in the office. You can carry me right out of here and they'll have no idea I'm even in there. And you can lock the door behind you. This is true. They seem to think you're someone of importance if they've let you get this far without killing you. 
Some kind of inquisitor or something stupid. Boris is wondering if maybe he should turn himself into a frog. <laughs> Boris just wants to be a frog now. <laughs> well, I'm thinking if one's in the staff and one's in his pocket, Horace can just walk right out. Yeah, I'm just sipping water and sharpening my knives. <laughs> Swifty's having a fucking Making them poison. But here's the thing. If you try to convince them to do this and it goes bad, you might have a problem all by yourself if everybody's hiding in the staff. Yeah. Of course, if they're all in the staff, I can summon them. Yeah, he can expel us from the staff. I can, I can, I can Pokemon them out if I want to. Everybody's in the staff now. Boris? Well, not everybody. <laughs> Boris and Gerald. Oh, wait. Do you have to hit them with the staff to get them in there? <laughs> or can you do it any way you want? Oh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to hit them. I just wanted to hit, uh, Swifty. Welcome, loyal listener, to Inside the Player's Studio with your host and Dungeon Master, Andrew. Hey everybody, it's your DM, Andrew. I am back with Don DeSilva, who played Horace in this second half continuation of probably one of my favorite of these uh, little guest arcs. So, right back into the questions, Don. Go ahead. What inspired you to play the character you played? Hmm, let's see. What inspired me to play Horace? Horace was was based uh, based on one of my first player characters back when I started playing Dungeons & Dragons. Well, second, after an Arakoker Barbarian I played in my girlfriend's game when we were doing it in real life. Oh, that uh, sounds like fun. <laughs> but, I mean, at the time, I didn't really know how to play. So, when, when, I, start, uh, when I started playing the Birdman, so the original Horus was also a gnome, and he was also a way of the Shadow Monk, but it was before I started multiclassing and making builds and things. Ah, okay. And uh, and I played him by having him throw axes at people. Uh, so it was just a this this distance build with uh, with sharpshooter and all this shit that was just like really long distance axe throwing, like trick shots basically. It was it was pretty funny at the time. Awesome. Uh, so. What D&D class would you actually want to be in real life? Like me personally? Yeah. Uh well, let's see. If I if I was flung into let's say another world or even even just got powers in this one and I had to choose a Dungeons and Dragons class, I'd probably go with sorcerer. Uh mostly because, you know, magic isn't something that you normally have and sorcerer has the most diversity out of any of the classes. Yeah. Plus you get extra shit like uh, meta magic, which is pretty fun. But I mean like if if it was like oh yeah you you can play this game and now you can play one of the classes from D and I'd probably go with again Shadow Monk which is my favorite class so okay yeah no uh, I would probably agree when it comes to sorcerer uh, at least when it comes to the magic classes I, I was fond of wizards for a long time and then the more mm -hmm. I read up on sorcerers the more I decided they're probably the most badass just because of yeah the, the like meta magic options and i like wild more shit i like wild magic i think it's a wild magic is fucking fun awesome mechanic which i saw on twitter the other day one of the uh wizards of the coast staff said that their least favorite class was the sorcerer and <laughs> i had to hard like, really? disagree <laughs> i mean if it's Okay, if it's their least, my least favorite class, seriously, fix the fix the uh, the uh, the elemental fucking monk subclass because I mean that's just dumb. Oh yeah. But I mean, how 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 is how is sorcerer your like really? Okay. Yeah, okay. how's it not ranger? <laughs> I, right. Like they they tried to fix ranger, but they never officially released the fix to ranger. Like what? I mean, you can pretty much make a fighter into a ranger. I mean, the fighter is the superior ranger if you're going by the PHB, I, I have to be honest. True. But, because I mean, there's no point in playing ranger unless unless you want to, you know, never do anything well except for fine things. We could lament over rangers for hours. 
White uh, Rangers and True Strike. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite spell in D&D? Shadowblade. Absolutely Shadowblade. You can mix it with so many other spells. It's a bonus action, second level low thing, get level level three. Uh, like, for example, if you if you just go five levels into Sorcerer, you can have this little mini build that's really fun to do where you cast Shadowblade on one turn, and the next turn you just go Dissonant Whispers, and then you get to go ahead and... Uh, and uh, uh, do a uh, opportunity attack on the guy and basically you know, if, if you have warcaster you can also go with say eddie fucking like like either uh green flame blade or booming blade as well which is pretty fun so like get like all this extra damage it's just a really versatile spell if you want to go with a a uh, uh uh what's the word a damage <laughs> I mean, yeah, for damage, but I'm, I'm thinking like a like a battle mage is what I'm thinking. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, more of a uh, offensive magic user. An, an offensive magic user who, the moment anyone hits you, you die. So you're playing a glass cannon. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's glass fun. cannons are fun. I, that's how that's how I play every MMO. No, that's awesome. That, that's uh, part of the reason I asked this question is because I having a little bit of experience with magic casters you know i've gone through the spells a few times but there's still there's ones that are outliers that i i mean uh our last guest brought up moonbeam and i had no idea that was such a badass spell oh yeah moonbeam moonbeam is is really good uh, yeah. but yeah no shadow blade sounds like one that it should be in just about any casters arsenal if they can have it as long as you have a decent dexterity Shadowblade, nice. Because you know it doesn't use your 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 casting modifier when you attack with it. It uses your dexterity, which is a unique thing. You know, there's the there's the flame blade from Druid, the 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 flame blade, which it requires you to use your action to make an attack roll with it using your thing, so you don't get multi attack with it. But if ah. you somehow if you somehow get multi attack as a sorcerer with Shadowblade, you can now go two attack with Shadowblade. Use a sorcery point to quicken spell and and do dissonant whispers and then get another attack as your reaction if, if they fail. Damn. So it's 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 just a really good thing if you have decent dexterity. Nice. All right. So uh, where can people find you on social media and do you have any projects or things you want to promote? No, not really. Uh, but you can just find me at Donna Silva on Twitter. Uh, I don't really have any projects at the moment. Thinking about some shit, but nothing that's gonna come into fruition anytime soon. All right, awesome. Uh, well, if it ever does, let us know, and we'll help you hype it on Twitter. Sweet. All right, awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. All right. You guys have fun with your game. Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody. Uh, see you next time. Bye. I don't I don't have to I don't have to hit them I just wanted to hit uh Swifty. Good to know. So Boris and Gerald you uh jump into that staff and see that same office building. It's beautiful. <laughs> Boris you've never seen something more utilitarian and just perfectly designed. <laughs> At least for dwarven sensibilities. Boris is thinking about how much better this is than his stupid cousin's woodshop. <laughs> Except, except for the fact that instead of it being made of, of stone, it's made of pretty much what looks to be glass. And you assume that it's some sort of stone glass because of how beautiful it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Horace. Glass, glass is just shatterable stone. So, Horace, you make your way out of Gerald's cell, locking the door behind you. Yep. I cast a minor illusion of Gerald inside by the workshop, just, just in case. Perfect. Perfect. As you come out of this jail, basically, you see that there is a dwarf now standing at the entrance to this jail. And as you pass him, he gives you a deep bow and he says, Inquisitor, it's so great to have you with us. And he actually faints and just falls down in the middle of the hallway. My guy, my guy's going to lean down at the guy, slap him on the face a couple times to get him to wake up. Does he wake up? No, he's out. He, he just snoring. Okay. As you, you kind of leave him there with this odd occurrence, go ahead and roll me just a flat d20. 
13. You feel a weird, almost like roller coaster stomach feeling of the floor dropping out for half a second and then it just goes away as quickly as it came up. And you make your way down the rest of this uh, hallway back into that chamber with all the children of Lang and they are restless. They are moving around. As you come in, they didn't pay you no mind. They're just kind of, they're making these odd clicking noises at each other and writhing in their cages. And as you're coming through this chamber, you see the leader coming back down from the entrance and he starts to make his way over to you and he says, Ah, Inquisitor, I see you're done with the gnome. Would you like to come see uh, some of the families we have started here and some of the progress we've made? No, 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 no. no. Oh. My, m no. Actually, I have some excellent news. I would like you to gather everyone here for an assembly because I have found a way through the gnome to bring our lord into this world. Really? He's made some progress on yes on opening the doorways. My guy, my guy reaches into his pocket and pulls out the orb that is that is freely spinning, and he says, "This will make it all possible." Oh, what is this? We have not seen it yet. Apparently, he's been hiding it from you, that gnome. I cast a spell on him so he would freeze in place for a while, to think about the air in his ways. But perfect for now. We should just think about bringing our master into this world just assemble everyone here for an assembly while we prepare the machinery perfectly perfect we will i will go and gather everyone out on the grounds outside good perfect make whatever preparations you need excuse me now inquisitor and he goes running off and he he actually before he goes running off he he goes over to the hallway and yells down the hallway for he yells down the hallway and says, Sam! Sam! And as he runs back to you and he says, Did you did you happen to see a dwarf standing guard when you came out of the Yeah, I, I passed by the guy and he and he said that it was happy he was happy to have me here, and then like a fangirl he fainted. Oh. Well Sam is very devoted. I can see that. Did he was he alive when you left him? Oh yes, he's he's snoring away. It's all right. This 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 is a special occasion. Let him sleep. If you say so, Inquisitor. And he he runs off back to the entrance and up and out of there. And you can hear him yelling for various people as he he goes room to room. Following behind him, you can see that he's clearing this building out ahead of you. And you get to the rooms that have the technological experiments happening in them. And as you do, I'm assuming you can, you have a sense of what's going on in your, in the rod of security. Yeah, basically. Or, well, your brother kind of also gets a sense of what's going on outside, paying attention from inside. And you could tell he's, he's like yelling to be let out, basically. Okay. I would imagine Swifty's still just chilling in your spa. Uh, off the game moment question. Okay. If this plan works out to fruition, the assembled bad guys will be destroyed by the reality grenade, and Sam's just gonna sleep through this. <laughs> so, like, no, he'll die. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we he's weren't within the radius. We weren't like destroying this guy's <laughs> life and then leaving him to wake up and be like, "Holy shit, my whole religion just, abandoned me." But then it just like it just takes one of his shoes. They were raptured. <laughs> And then that might happen. Sam could go off in his own side story. <laughs> yeah, Sam could come back. Like Drizzit. The Beholder's <laughs> Eye, colon, Sam's story. <laughs> Potatoes. I duck into a spot. I duck into a spot where people won't be able to see me, and I get. Le I let Gerald out to hear what he wants. As to you say. let Gerald out, he says, "Okay, give me the orb. Let's go do this. We're gonna go activate those machines. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on." And he 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 runs over to the nearest machine. And he says, "All right." Boris is lying down, <laughs> staring at the sky it's... in the uh, in the other reality. Yeah, <laughs> looking at the clouds. Just like this place is cool, man. <laughs> I wander out of the sauna and sit down next to Boris. <laughs> I love that the two of you have done basically nothing. <laughs> I look at I look at Boris. I'm like, easiest bonus ever. <laughs> So, Horace, you and Gerald 
go around the room turning on all of the machines. And as you do, there are two different portals that start to open up. And through one of them, you can... Before Gerald throws the thing in or anything happens, my guy says to Gerald, so let me get this straight. Um, We can be in the blast radius as long as we're inside the staff, right? Yes, at least in theory. Hopefully we will be fine. There, there, There shouldn't be any ill effects. Perfect. Through the calculations that I've made, any sort of purely magically charmed or magically made item should survive the blast. So... And this thing is perfect. Exactly, because any items here that they have that are not something that I made, I don't mind losing my inventions. I can always make more. Anything that they have here that is magic or a magic artifact will be left over after they're destroyed. We can take it back and study it and make more powerful magics. Right. And it takes two minutes for the bomb to go off once you throw it in, right? Yes and no. Okay, so we I, I have no way of knowing how fast time moves on the other side of these portals. So we may only have seconds. So we're going to want to throw that baby in there and then jump to your office, okay? How about this? <laughs> my guy my guy says wait here for 5 minutes under that table and my guy points at the table. Okay? 5 minutes. And my guy runs out to the surface to go to go and get the uh, the uh, the leader of the cult. Oh shit. Okay. So, uh Gerald <laughs> hides under the table. Uh are you leaving the the rod there or are you taking it with you? No, no. My, my guy's taking the rod with him. Okay. So you run out to the outside of this building and you see that the leader has assembled about half the community at this point and they're just kind of milling about and he's standing there barking orders at various lieutenants. My guy steps up ne- next next to him and, and says, may I have a word with your people for real, real fast for a moment? Oh, of course, Inquisitor. What what do you need? My guy, my guy looks over the crowd, clears his throat and says, everyone wait in reverence. Five minutes from now, our lord will rise from this compound and take and lay waste to this world. And uh, the entire crowd looks, kind of turns and they, they, they Hail Shabnegarath! He will deliver us! My guy then turns to the leader and says, I'll need your help with this next part. Please come with me. Inside the uh, staff at this moment in time, yeah. uh, Boris has wandered over from lying on the, on, on the grass. And he's gone over to go and see if, what wine he can procure, and uh, so he's finding a nice, uh, a nice, nice wine, <laughs> and um, he's come back with Swifty, and they're just toast Swifty, and they're just kicking it. <laughs> nice. My guy takes the leader with him back downstairs towards towards his gnomish brother. As you and the leader enter the room, Gerald rolls out from under the table and says, "Ha ha! Surprise! What are we doing?" Uh. I have I have brought our leader here, and my guy winks to winks to Gerald and says, and we are going to show him the process of summoning our lord. Oh, perfect. I don't understand why you wanted me to hide under the table, though. Anyways, so, great leader, we have opened up two portals here. What we're going to do is we're going to need you to take this ball. You see it? Yes, the thing that I... I hid from you. I'm sorry for that. Please don't hurt me, but I didn't think you were ready for it. And he hands the ball to the great leader and he says, you piece of shit. With the hand that he's holding it, backhands Gerald. And there's a cut that forms on Gerald's cheek from where he hit him. And Gerald falls down to the ground and says, and looks at you, Horace, and says, God damn it, this wasn't part of the plan. My guy, my guy put, puts, puts a finger to his lips and he says, don't worry. He is just an insignificant lower life form compared to us, as he does not actually believe in our Lord. The great leader says, ha, y- you, of course, yes, well, I will be the one that is forever known as bringing Shub Niggerath into this world. I don't care about any life form lower than myself anymore. What am I supposed to do with this? And he, he starts to play with the ball, and Gerald from the ground says, turn it, turn it again, and he starts barking orders at the leader as he works this puzzle ball out and when he pushes it back together it starts to glow with a bright red intensity and Gerald says now go and walk through that portal there on the left my my guy my guy says no don't walk through the portal toss it in says no you must take it in yourself 
you have to toss it in because uh, it's important. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and the Can leader. I roll persuasion? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The leader uh, looks back and forth between the two of you. I'm also going to roll. Oh, damn, yeah. Oh, yeah. He looks at you from you, Horace, to Gerald and says, Nice try, weakling. And he tosses the ball into the portal. Micah grabs the leader's shoulder and his brother and looks inside the portal to see what you're saying. As you see the ball go through the precipice of the portal, you can see a very faint image of a rocky landscape. And the ball lands in the middle of it. And as it lands, you can see that that red glowing intensity starts to take the shape of a furry, mutating, pulsating muscle, basically. Like raw red meat muscle. And it it starts to grow hairs out of the, the fatty fibers of the muscle. And as it expands, you see it getting closer and and closer to the edge of this portal and it's it's gripping into the rocks around it and it seems to be corrupting them and and turning them into more of itself and it gets as it gets closer to it you grab the, you said the leader and your brother and teleport us into into my sanctuary as you're doing that as as i know that it happens very fast and that you know it's almost an instantaneous reaction the last sound you hear as you're transported inside of the staff is an odd squelching and tearing noise as that weird mutating meat hits the portal and the fabric of reality starts to open up. And then you guys are all, everyone is now inside of the rod. Boris and Swifty are inside chilling. No, we're sitting on the grass outside chilling. Oh, you're sitting on the outside chilling now. Taking in the wonderful view. They're like like 10 feet to our left as we teleport inside. By the way, when you you go inside the rod, the rod comes with you if you're holding it. So the rod isn't outside. We just appear where the rod was before. Nice. Perfect. And that's, I'm assuming that's how you get back out of it. Yep. As the three of you appear inside, you can see Swifty and Boris sitting... At the front of the office building, sipping at some glasses of wine. And (laughs) as the three of you enter, the leader starts to shake violently. As this leader starts to shake violently, you feel the micro-reality that is the inside of the staff starts to waver a bit. And it's all centered around this leader. And as he's shaking... I I cast Charm Person. Okay, what... uh, DC 16 wisdom. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't affect him at all. And as his as his whole body starts to shake, uh Swifty and Boris, you both you've seen this before. This is kind of what uh Bilton went through as he transformed. Fucking tentacles, man. Bor- Boris is going to put down his wine carefully. And then he's going to um he's going to cast slow on this guy. Okay? So what is uh yeah? It slows him down. It slows. It slows him. actually. It He's slows time slow. down for him, specifically. What's your D- spell DC? Fourteen. Oh no. <laughs> uh, well, sl- that is his first attempt to ever really cast slow. slow. It's a new so, spell. It wasn't <laughs> that to, bad. Turn to Swifty. It's a new spell. <laughs> As you cast that though, around you try to cast slow on this leader as he's shaking and starting to convulse spurs of bone start to sprout out and pierce through the clothing that he's wearing and come out from the back of his hands and at the at his temples and he starts screaming my guy my guy my guy turns to gerald and he says how long do you think it'll take before it's safe outside we need to give it a few minutes at least has he taken damage yet no i have assassinate how are you gonna attack him uh, I'm going to pull out my short bow, which is poison because I poisoned them all in the sauna, if Good you song. remember the song. Yep. And it's rigged up with my fast poison, and I'm going to shoot at his chest, largest mass area. Okay. Go ahead and roll me a attack roll with advantage. So 20. Uh, 20 hits. So go ahead and roll... D6 plus 5. Oh, plus your assassinate. So go ahead and roll your um, damage dice twice. So 5 on the first one. Okay. Plus 5, so that would be 10. 
eight on the second one, including the so plus 18. five. No, you don't get the you don't get the extra okay. on the second one. Uh, so that's eighteen total. And you had that fast poison on there. You said, yeah. Uh, so you see this transformation happening, and, and I'm doing this as like a casual shoot. I'm sipping my wine with one glass and pulling my bow out of my pocket and shooting them with the other hand. Okay. You see this transformation happening, and you lazily fire off an arrow, and it lands directly not in this shit again leader's throat and you can see at the point of impact where it hits his skin starts to melt away and not like acid but it just it just loses its ability to hold itself together and he just starts to disintegrate from within as he does this the scream that was coming out of him changes in pitch and it it lowers and he just and collapses into a puddle of viscera i guess you would say so he's dead oh yeah he's real dead my guy my guy sighs and he says i could have used him friend for damn it you bring tentacles man i told you no fucking tentacles (laughs) this this place this place is equipped to deal with this shit i mean yeah so was my arrow (laughs) i dealt with it all over the floor (laughs) <laughs> at this point gerald says i i think we could probably go back outside now i'm sure you have someone to clean that up by the time we get back in here yeah i, I met a guy it'll clean itself up by itself it's all right i'm gonna peek outside first to see to see what's going on before i pop everyone out you can detect outside of it out of side of this rod that there are, uh, there's no signs of life it seems barren <laughs> okay Okay, guys, time for the fun part. Time for the fun part. Everyone off the bus, and I get everyone out. As you all leave the rod, you have that weird feeling of warped reality again, but nothing really comes of it. It's just it's just that feeling of something stroking the back of your brain. As you come back into the regular material plane, you're standing in the center of a crater that measures about... 200 feet in diameter where there was once a community and what you would assume is probably some small series of tunnels in that cavern that held all of the children of Lang is now just a divot in the ground. (laughs) My guy turns to Gerald and says, Gerald, you son of a bitch. Why didn't you do this earlier? Oh wait, I know I didn't do this earlier. Never mind. I would have killed myself. Of course. Yeah, I I, I see that. Of course says, I wonder whether this is a positive or a negative thing for the local logging community. (laughs) I look around and I say, You put me in the office so I wouldn't kill anybody? (laughs) (laughs) I determined it was safer if we killed everyone at once than killing them one by one as as per your forte. Okay, okay. Also, I didn't kill them. Geralt killed them. Oh, shit. (laughs) So, at the bottom of this crater... You, I, well, I look at Gerald and give him a little bow. The entire surface of this crater is just completely blackened. Where there is stone outcroppings in the ground, they have turned to obsidian. Where there is dirt surrounding that stone, it has been almost fossilized, is what it looks like. Just completely incinerated and then hardened all at once. Sitting at your feet are an amulet in the shape of uh, the same eye with the octagonal star behind it that was the symbol of this community. And next to that, there is a bell made of pure gold. Those are the only two items left in this whole place? Yes. Okay, I'm going to cast Identify twice. You can tell that the eye is basically a focus, a magical focus. It's a plus three magical focus, but it has a taint on it. And who, who, who put their taint on it? (laughs) I knew one of us would go for it. it. (laughs) I knew as soon as it came out of my mouth. Basically, if you were to attune to this item, you would assume that you would get some sort of curse from it or some sort of negative effect. Okay. my, my My guy goes, this is cursed. And this bell on the other hand you would know this as a bell of ringing (laughs) and what this does is if you no yeah exactly but if you are 
stuck in a large group of people and want to make a quick exit, you can take this bell and ring it once, and it stuns everyone within a 50-foot radius. This would have been useful. Other than the ringer, of course. This would have been extremely Yeah, you useful. guys could have found it if you, like, crept through and... I'm going to walk up to the artifacts, look at them with disdain, and then walk over to one of the obsidian services and use my acid to write Swifty was here again. <laughs> <laughs> Not the again, just Swifty was here, but... Swifty was here again. Like I says, so this necklace is cursed. I recommend destroying it or removing the curse somehow. And then the bell lets you stun people, I guess. After you relay this in information to the uh, to Boris and Swifty. The four of you standing around at the bottom of this crater start to hear a noise of several people running through the forest towards the edge of this crater, uh, not making any attempt to, to hide their approach. And as they break to the edge of this crate the edge of this crater, you see about a hundred feet away from you to the north, Aldalar and a man who is a, a humanoid figure with pointy ears and s- seems to be a bit furry from the distance away it's it's hard to make out exact details but it seems to be some sort of tabaxi cat man with owl and from the rim of this owl yells out and he says are you boys all right you missed the party owl you should have been here like i don't know 10 minutes ago i was bringing the exit strategy we already had one. You suck at this. Al and this Catman make their way down to the center of this portal, or to, down to the center of this crater where the the four of you are standing. And as soon as they get close, Swifty, you immediately recognize this Tabaxi as January, the guy you ran into, you and Lazy and Chirp ran into in the catacombs. And he sees you and he says. I told you we were going to be friends. Remember? Is the cat guy? I don't guy. like this guy. I don't like this guy. Who's this no, guy? The cat like guy him. is a good guy. My name is January. You may call me Janu or Airy or just January. My services are always for hire. I like making new friends. I'm February. That's April, and over there's May. Okay. Aldilar said you boys would need some help getting out of this place, possibly, and that you might have some people hot on your tail, but it looks like you've dealt with everyone, haven't you? And Aldilar looks around and he's like, what the fuck happened here? It's a wrap, people.